So if you could open up your Bibles, please, uh, to 1 Kings chapter 8. Um, We're going to be reading beginning in verse 22. I want to read verses 22 through 26. And we're entering into the powerful prayer of King Solomon as uh, the temple is being dedicated. Solomon lifted up this prayer before God. And um, I want to read through just the beginning part of that prayer um, this morning, um, in beginning of verse 22. So if you could read along with me, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. Isn't that a great phrase, church? O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. And look at our God, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. Now, therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me, as you have walked before me. Now, therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this, this powerful prayer of King Solomon. And as we begin to unpack it today, I pray you would touch our hearts, Holy Spirit, with your power. Comfort all of us in the church family today. Comfort this lost world that so desperately needs hope in the midst of these turbulent times. And uh, we thank you so much for the hope that you offer us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the answer. You're the answer for everybody and everything. And we're so grateful to have you in our hearts. We pray that you would open up the hearts of uh, individuals who have not yet repented of their sins and believed in you so that they might be saved like those of us who have believed are saved. And we're so thankful that you've saved us, so grateful that you have, and that we have the hope of you in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. I initially had six points for this uh, sermon just flowing out from uh, the the prayer with Solomon. I think I may actually only get through one. And so I'm going to focus in on uh, point one, which is where we're going to accent our time today. And it's pay close attention to your way. Having covered last week um, the phrase, Oh, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. I simply want to remind us that that is the case, that there is no God like our God. And let us rejoice this morning that we have him in our lives. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus, as we mentioned in our prayer. And the Lord fulfilled his promise to King David when he said that he was going to Uh, In verse 25, now, therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, you shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me as you have walked before me. Verse 25 and the promise uh, that the, the Lord gave to King David here in the 
and the dedication of the temple is fulfilled that the Lord was going to have Solomon, his son, build a house for the glory of his name. That is now completed and the temple is being dedicated. And so that part of the promise is fulfilled. And Solomon here calls to mind that there's another promise that, that the Lord gave to his father, David, as well. And that promise being mentioned in the second half of verse 25, you shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. And, and this phrase here, if only your sons, and this is Solomon praying this, and he's, he's remembering this promise from God to his father, King David, if only your sons, and that includes him, King Solomon, if only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me as you have walked before me. I believe the Spirit of God has really rested on that phrase. If only your sons pay close attention to their way, and particularly that phrase, pay close attention to your way. And, and that's why I've given this first point, um, pay close attention to your way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, First Timothy 4 also calls each one of us to watch our lives and doctrine closely. Paul talking to Timothy as a pastor, but also as a Christian, it helps us all to remember that there is a responsibility that we all have as uh, Christians to watch our lives and our doctrine closely. We see that here in 1 Kings 8, that same call in Solomon's prayer. He reminded the people of Israel of the promise made to his father David. And, it's, and it says, if only your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me as you have walked before me. It was important for David's sons to know that they must pay close attention to their way and that they walk before their God like David did. God cares about our way. And there, there's nothing greater to be said about a man or a woman than what was said of King David, that he was a man after God's own heart. And we want to be men and women who are after God's own heart. God cares about our way. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. We are called as believers to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us both to will and to work his good pleasure. To dedicate ourselves and commit ourselves to his way and not our own way. But to his way is vital for all of our Christian lives. The kings of Israel, likewise, were to emulate David's example. And we're not to walk into the path of crookedness or disobedience. Acts 20 verse 28 commands elders to, quote, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, but to pay careful attention to yourselves, elders. Paying careful attention to ourselves, brothers and sisters, is harder than paying careful attention to others. We are often blind to our own faults and too prone to spot the faults in others. A righteous man or a woman or a king 
pays careful attention to their own way and takes pains to make sure that their own way glorifies and honors Christ in private and in public. God cares about what we think about and what we do in private, what we search out and look at on the internet. Selfish, immoral, lustful glances, which represent adultery of the heart. And let us ponder that and repent over it whenever we see it in our hearts, recognizing that, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. I was working on the sermon this week, and my wife Shannon asked me a question in the midst of it. And in my response, I did not display the honor and the respect and the love that God calls me to as a husband. I made it clear that I did not want to answer her question in that moment. I was abrupt, unkind, cold in tone, and it hurt her. She pointed it out to me later on, being a faithful helpmate to my soul. And as I was asking her for forgiveness, she pointed out to me that it has become a little bit of a pattern lately. God cares about the way we speak to people, and especially our spouse, our children, our parents. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wives, Colossians 3, 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. 1 Peter 3, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Children, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction 
of the Lord. We see that within family life, relating even with our loved ones, even with our siblings, there is a call from God for us to pay close attention to our way. And that begins with looking into our hearts and making sure our hearts are honoring Christ, but then that our words and our deeds honor Christ as well. And it's within our family life, but not just only within our family life, how we view our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church family and how we view uh, people in the world is also to be marked by the spirit of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter three, beginning in verse eight says this, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Pay close attention to your way. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, angry with his brother, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with them to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny we are meant to display the the spirit of christ at, at all times and to pay careful attention to our way at all times we as christians never punch in and punch out when it comes to manifesting the fruits of the spirit in galatians chapter 5 and in first peter chapter 3 The call to have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. It's a command to not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Or even in our culture, which is so common today, to repay outrage that we perceive in the culture with outrage. But on the contrary, bless. To not meet the sins in society with our own fleshly response, but to display something different to this world, something that shines in the spirit of Christ and display the beauty of Christ's character, even in the midst of the darkness of our turbulent times. As I breathed in the fresh air of this beautiful, sunny Sunday morning, I thought about George Floyd, who, as John mentioned in his prayer a moment ago, 
after having pleaded with the white police officer who had his knee on his neck, pleading, quote, please, 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 I can't breathe. Please, man, end quote. And then not having that knee on his neck removed for eight minutes and 46 seconds, breathe no more. He was not able to breathe in the air this morning, having been on the receiving end of injustice. And I was pondering that this morning as I was breathing the air. And I just cried and cried. George Floyd's death ought to affect all of us as Christians and cause us to be moved in our hearts. Vonnie Jones, a wonderful godly woman in our church family, said, people either see the things around them and speak truth on them, recognize the wrongs, and want to see things change for the better, or people see the things around them, are indifferent to the wrongs, care not for the injustices done until it goes against what they love. Lessons needed to be learned. Love your brother and sister as you would yourself. Care for the hurt. Hate injustice. Pay careful attention to your way, Scripture says. It's important to note that it's not even about making sure that we say all the right things so that we can appear to be properly balanced in all of these things. It's about entering into truly the plight of what other people suffer. Truly entering into it. Ivani went on to say yesterday, as protests were set yesterday, in Philadelphia, she said, protests in Philadelphia are set for today. Please know that we are with you and we pray for these events to remain peaceful. Rioting is not protesting. Protesting has purpose. Please don't let your hearts be hardened. Know that every white person is not a racist. Every black person is not a criminal. Not every rioter and looter is black or brown or even a thug. Some are even law enforcement. Not every cop is a bad one. People are angry and rightly so. We need all hands to move forward. We need all hands to move forward. I was reflecting yesterday after an African-American protester a righteous protester in Minneapolis speaking to the unlawful looting and rioting that was taking place in the midst of the righteous protest said this, this is what I have to say to those destroying things. If you really feel like you have to take an opportunity, like you're going to be opportunistic, something is wrong with you. If you cannot stand up and fight the good fight and you want to be a cheater and take what we're trying to do Something is wrong with you because what we are trying to do is stand up for the basic rights of humanity. 
That's what we are trying to do and trying to do it in a peaceful way. We do not want to go through this anymore, okay? I want to be able to go in a white neighborhood and feel safe. I want to be able to see a cop driving behind me and not clench and be tense. I want to be able to just be free and not think about every step I take because at the end of the day, being black is a crime. Being black is a crime to them. And I don't understand because we are all human. And we as believers should be able to hear the pleading of a black man or woman or a person of color pleading in that kind of way and immediately enter into it with a compassionate spirit of Christ, as 1 Peter 3 says, for us to have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Enter into it. And those of us who are white Americans must realize that we do not understand the suffering that our black brothers and sisters have suffered and are still suffering. Seeing racism in others is very possible while being blind to the residue of it in ourselves. I'd like to recommend a movie that my wife Shannon and I have come to love. There's a movie entitled Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan in it. It's a movie that can really help us as white Americans understand the plight of the African-American men and women in our country and other people of color and the many injustices that they have suffered and are still suffering. And it can help fuel compassion in our hearts as well as move us into action that can affect change. Carrying anger toward any perceived injustice that we perceive toward ourselves while not taking into consideration the injustices that others experience is insensitive and wrong. Jesus wants us to have our eyes open and our hearts engaged so that we truly weep with those who are weeping in both our church and in the world. To pay careful attention, to walk before the Lord as a man after God's own heart, as a woman after God's own heart, and to pay close attention to our way in our own hearts. Jesus is able to enter into the plight of every human being and come alongside of every individual. My wife Shannon and I have been so moved just thinking about the the versatility of Jesus to meet every single person's need in this world, coming from all the different vantage points that they're coming at and to comfort them at the exact point of need. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit can come and move into the hearts and come alongside of every person who is suffering this day. Jesus' heart is fully with those grieving the loss of George Floyd, comforting them. He's also with the store owners who have already lost so much during the coronavirus quarantine and now do not have a store, some of them, because Sinful, selfish rioters used the good protest to their own advantage and brought destruction and theft. 
Jesus is with everyone to comfort them in their point of need. Let it be that we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry as James commands us. Let us listen to our let us listen to our African American brothers and sisters in Christ and our Latino American brothers and sisters in Christ and learn from the wisdom from above that God is giving to them in these times. Let us humbly acknowledge as white Americans that we lack understanding and experience of what it feels like when a black man says that to be black is a crime to him. He's feeling judged in that way that merely just to be black is to be a criminal from the time you're born and enter into the plight of how that feels to the very best of our ability while also understanding that we don't understand how that feels as white Americans. Let us in this church, Christ community, let us be, as our mission statement and vision statement says, let us be a refuge, a safe haven for African-American brothers and sisters that they can have the joy of seeing the body of Christ truly be the body of Christ, where every part of the body hurts when they are hurt, and righteously angered when they are righteously angered. And may our Latino brothers and sisters in our wonderful city of Reading experience the same spirit from us. Someone needs to shine a light. Some church needs to be a refuge and an example of how reconciliation, racial reconciliation through the power of Christ and the gospel can and does happen. Let us be a breath of fresh air in this Christ community. Let it be us for the glory of Christ's name. Let us strive to respond to everything and everyone in a manner pleasing to Christ and not to ourselves. A true Christian should hate racism and injustice and can also enter into what it must must be like to be one of those store owners whose store has been destroyed by rioters. Let our attitude of heart toward government, federal, state, and local, also likewise be glorifying to Christ and different from the spirit of the world. And if we do enter into protest, let us enter into protest in a righteous way for the glory of God, standing on our Christian principles with courage and conviction, but with the humble spirit of Jesus as we go. Let us be different even in how We stand against the injustices we perceive that are going on. And thank you, church, for your example and how you're already doing that. Let us continue on in righteous displays of standing for truth. Colossians 3 says this as a command to us in verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pay careful attention to our hearts in these uncertain times, in these stern days, and make sure that our thoughts and our words are pleasing to the Lord and spoken always in the spirit of Christ. Let our conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that it might benefit those who listen. Let us be those who walk in the spirit of Jesus, manifesting the fruit of the spirit at all times, never checking out and checking back in, but always operating for the glory of Christ in that way. There is one who knows what it is like to be a victim of the greatest abuse, a victim of the greatest injustice, who knows what it's like to slowly suffocate for three hours, who knows what it's like to bleed unjustly, to be looked upon and mocked as it was happening to him. There was one who cried out in agony and there was no letting up, no relief, all the way to death. Who knows what it's like to feel the terror of having all control taken away from him and to be put completely into the hands of sinners, to be pinned down, nailed down, who felt his life draining away and no one stopped it. There is one who knows what it's like to be mocked for being a person of color. Even hearing hail king of the Jews by the white Romans as a crown of thorns was mockingly crushed into his bleeding head. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And Jesus understands. And Jesus did all of this. He endured all of this in order to bring all of us to God. Any man or a woman from any tribe or tongue can repent of their sins and believe in Christ and have their sins forgiven this morning. They can have salvation hope given to them in the midst of this fallen world, all because Jesus breathed his last. So as we see all the goings on in our times and the sins of others, let us pay close attention to our own way and see the sin in our hearts Let us be more outraged by the slightest sins and injustices that we commit against others, against our spouse, against our children, against our loved ones, against our brothers and sisters, against people we see in society. Let's be more outraged by our own sin than we are by the sin that we perceive in others. And let us flee to the cross with a humble mind, on our knees, begging for mercy and forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness when we repent and believe. And let us rise up from the foot of the cross and go forward, every one of us go forward in the spirit of Christ and display something different to this lost world who so desperately needs to see something different than what they typically see. 
Let us all fix our eyes on Jesus and allow him to calibrate and tune all of this for us. For he is a savior who comes alongside of every kind of sufferer this morning. Jesus Christ can comfort the grieving children of George Floyd. Jesus Christ can comfort the brokenhearted righteous protesters who are losing hope. Jesus Christ can comfort the policemen and policewomen and firemen who are valiantly serving in the midst of civil unrest to protect lives and the property of others and who are suffering the effects of violence upon their own person. Jesus can come alongside of the store owners whose businesses were unjustly destroyed by evil looting. After having suffered financial hardship during the quarantine, they may be bankrupted. And he can also forgive the wicked looter who repents of their looting today and believes. Society will distance themselves from the wicked. But Jesus will go and meet them there. He's holy. He's different. He's so good. There's no God like our God, Solomon prayed. And Jesus will come alongside even of perpetrators of evil injustice if they will turn to him in repentance and in faith. There's hope for anyone who will turn to Jesus in repentance and in faith this morning. And I pray that'll be you and me. And Jesus can come alongside of and comfort two parents who are raising a black son, hopeful for his future, but fearful that he might not be safe when he goes out the door of their house. Jesus is there to comfort those parents so they can put their hope in him and entrust the life of their precious son into his loving hands and know that Jesus will be with him no matter what he faces in this fallen world. And as we look at this world, we are going to church. We are going to see it growing more and more evil as the day of the return of Christ approaches. And even when we look into the church, we see so much of it that goes on not in a spirit of Christ, but in a spirit of the flesh so often. But my brothers and sisters, Christ is a perfectly righteous and trustworthy king who perfectly paid close to his own way. He never once failed or fails to do the right and the just thing and the good thing. And when Jesus returns, take heart. There will never again be an unjust act ever committed again. All will be perfect love and sinless enjoyment of Jesus and one another. Every tribe and tongue and beautiful color that God has made people in his image will be gathered around the throne of grace 
singing worthy is the lamb together with one voice. That's the happy end of all of these sad proceedings for those who trust in Jesus. And I want to just simply close with saying from Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Let us never forget, church, the one who sits on the throne, who is in control, who is sovereign, who is always good. Our lives are in his hands. Let us bring glory to his name by paying careful attention to our way and being the salt and light and beautiful light of Jesus to this lost world that so desperately needs a savior. Let us look at the future today as believers in Christ with hope and confidence. For our precious Jesus has died and has risen from the grave and is seated on the throne. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. God bless you today, Christ community. Amen. Let's close with worship. Lord, I'm struck as I sing this song. Lord, that you are holding us fast now. I'm struck by lines like, For my Savior loves me so. Lord, as we look inward towards our sin, we can do so with hope. We can do so, Lord, in your power and conquer it because you conquered it. By your spirit, Lord, we're able. Lord, when we look at things that say like, for my life, he bled and died. Lord, such hope. We realize that justice has been satisfied. I just pray for us as a church. I just pray for us as a as a as the body of Christ. Strengthen us in these truths, Lord. Strengthen us in these truths, Lord. Help us, I pray, Lord. Um, I really just don't have words this morning. I just thank you, Lord, that we are able to worship you in these truths. Let's be blessed, church. Amen.